Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is professional footballer, South African national team player who has captained the national side, representing the country in two Olympics as well as South Africa's debut at the FIFA Women's World Cup, founder of the JVW Girls Football Club, Janine van Weyck. She is here as part of our focus on women in sport to talk about her journey as well as development in football for women. Welcome to the show, Janine. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. To start with, I understand that part of your accolades, you are the most capped footballer in South Africa, male or female, and the most capped African woman. So can you walk us through some of your career highlights? Yeah, um, yeah, it feels good to to, um, be named the most capped player in South Africa. I honestly never thought that I would get to the stage in my career, um, you know, because there's a lot of twists and turns in terms of women's football, um, you know, in the country as well as globally. Um, and I honestly thought that, you know, I, I would never set a record like I have um, by being the most capped player. But looking back at my career, I think one of my main highlights is um, last year when we qualified for the first ever um, FIFA Women's World Cup as a nation, as South Africa. And that is something that I have dreamt about my whole career since the day I started playing football. Um, You know, I used to watch men's football and the men's World Cups, and I I never imagined myself playing um, at such a high level for my country um, at such a, a stage as a World Cup. So that is probably one of my main highlights as a football player. But then you get uh, ones like uh, playing at the Olympics, representing your country at the Olympic Games, um, which I see is probably the the second um, best competition in sports um, and uh, in football for women's football in South Africa. Um, and then there are smaller ones, you know, beating Nigeria for the very first time um, in history in 2012 and me being the only goal scorer of that game. So there are a few little ones and then, you know, off the off the pitch, it would be meeting Mr. Nelson Mandela in 2006. Thanks for sharing some of those career highlights. I I have to say, when I was doing the you know the, the prep work for for the show, there were apparently 1.2 billion people, so almost 14 percent of the world's population, who watched the 2019 Women's FIFA Cup in France. And when you think of numbers like that, you'd almost imagine that women's football is is well established. But I realized that the first FIFA Women's World Cup was only held in 1991 in China. You mentioned representing South Africa in the Olympics, and and I believe you you were twice uh, represented the country. But the first Olympics to accept women's football was only in 1996. So in terms of your development as as a player, you've also been incredibly instrumental in terms of developing South African national women's football team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's taken a while for women's football to, 
you know, really catch fire in 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 the world. Um, and I think it's only been the past five or probably ten years that women's football has been on the radar and a lot of people taking interest in, in women's football. And I feel currently it, it is probably the most fastest growing sport in the world. Um, and many people are taking interest in it. There's a lot of girls now partaking, whereas before when I used to play, there were hardly any girls that played the game or believed that they uh, it is, you know, a, a game for, for men and women. Um, and back then it was just a male, considered as a male-dominant sport. So it's amazing how I've come through the ranks, how I've seen change in the game um, and interest in, in, in women's football, not only from, from the female point of view, but globally, you know, corporates coming on board and sponsoring women um, footballers, um, brands such as Nike, Adidas coming on board and sponsoring the athletes. So it's amazing the breakthrough that the sport has made in terms of women's, um, in, in terms of the women's game. So um, for me, I think I, I saw that opportunity and I grabbed it with both hands, giving back to the sport um, by creating my own development uh, and football program for young girls because I saw a lot of interest um, in the sport, but there was just not enough platforms for these young girls to partake in the sport. And that is one of the main reasons I have um, established a women's football club and a women's football program um, for these girls to have an opportunity to play a sport that they truly, truly love and passionate about. And I'd like to touch base a little bit more on on the football club and the the give back component. But if we could stay with you for a moment, I would imagine that starting out must have been quite challenging to find a girls team when when you started your career. Yes, definitely. It was really tough. I started playing with the boys from the age of six until 14. And when I reached, when I reached that age where, you know, the boys became a lot stronger and physically uh, faster than, than me, I couldn't compete with them. I needed to find a girls' team to play for. And in the area that I lived, there were really no girls that played the game. It was always hockey or netball. Um, and I really had to dig deep and go and find a team, a ladies' team to play for in a ladies' league. And the only team I could really find was in the rural areas um, in the eastern of eastern side of Gauteng, which is in Springs. And that was um, uh, played in a township called Quatema um, in Springs in the East Rand. And, yeah, it was very challenging for me uh, being the only white girl in this team and the only white girl in the whole of the league. Um, but my passion was there, my love for the game was there, and nothing really at that time would stop me from playing the game. And um, that is where I grew up playing with, with women and female uh, football players. And I think if I didn't go through those stages, I wouldn't be the kind of person I am, the kind of player I am today um, because of all those challenges that I faced. And from club team, you then went on to the national team where you've been since 2005, so that's uh, 15 years. You then took a, would would it be a, a club offer in America for the Houston Dash? in 2016 and then a, a brief stint in Denmark for Fortuna Hjoring? Yes, you got it right, Hjoring. 
How did all of that come about? Because playing soccer at local level, going to the national team, and then expanding your footprint internationally. Yeah, I think it started um, developing once we we reached um, the Olympic stage as a as a country, as a nation, participating in such big events um, where we're playing teams from worldwide. And um, in 2016, I had a really good tournament um, in Rio uh, for the the Olympic in the Olympic Games, and that is where I got I caught the eye of one of the coaches um, in the the US teams, uh, Houston Dash. And then in 2017, was offered a contract to go and play abroad, and that for me was also another highlight for me because. Um, I was the first one to go abroad and play in the U.S. league, um, in, in, in a professionally structured league. Um, so yeah, I, I was you know over the moon when I when I got you know picked up from such a, a massive team in a massive league like that. For I mean, you can already um, tell by just the U.S. national team how big of a league um, it is because they all compete in that league. So it's highly competitive. And for any football player, you want to play in the best league possible in the world. And that, for me, is one of the highlights. And obviously, after coming back from Houston Dash after two years, um, I, I stuck around and got another offer in Denmark um, to go and play uh, for Fortuna Euring. And things didn't go as planned because I, I got injured at the Kusafa tournament in August last year. And that was just after I found a contract with Fortuna. So when I went over, it, it was quite a battle because I couldn't train. I couldn't really play with the team and because of uh, the struggle with my injury. And when they expected me to be back in January, you know, the injury took longer than expected. And we came to a mutual agreement that, um, you know, we would terminate the contract and hopefully something would be in the near future when I'm ready to play again but for now I think you know I'm back in the country and just now that the the National Women's League get kicked off for for South Africa for the first time in South Africa um, that is something that I had you know dreamt about as a player as well having our own professional setup in our own country um, and although it is not professional yet, but it is semi-pro, um, it's something that we have waited for as professional athletes, as professional football football players in our country. That is where my head is at, at the moment, by staying in the country and playing in the National League. And I would imagine when you were talking about the U.S. League and how all players aim to, to participate in this, that by establishing a national league in South Africa, this is going to really give a boost to women's soccer. Yeah, most definitely it has already. Um, the the year kit, well, it was launched um, in 2019 in August. That's, so I think there's a couple of games left to go. That's only last year, though. Yes. So it's very, very new. Um, so, I mean, all the women playing in it currently are doing extremely well the the the, t- the games are being televised on on TV i mean one game uh, a week will be televised on TV so women's football is out there it is exposed um it is starting to be recognized in our country on club level because a lot of people you know don't know that there are 
club teams, women club teams in our country. They know more about Banyana Banyana and the under-20s, but they don't really know where these players play. So now that it's been broadcasted on, on television, I mean, a lot of people are now recognizing, um, you know, the club teams that are, we currently have in our country. And how many women would you say currently play? Um, from a young age or in the league? Well, in the league. In the league, there's about probably up to 2,000, 3,000 girls participating in the league. That is national, so it's teams from the best team in Cape Town. Um, there's currently only 12 uh, teams participating in this league, so there's still four more spots, which one of my my um, club team, JVW, has been promoted to to play in um, the next national uh, women's league kickoff, which will be kicked off in June. So uh, there's, yeah, it is growing, and there's still still four spots for the league to be completed. Oh, congratulations! Well, thank you. Talking about your club, you established it in 2013, and you really seem in the, in the conversation thus far to be conscious about giving back to the sport and developing subsequent generations of female footballers. Tell us about your motivations for for starting the club. Well, one of the reason, main reasons is just because I never had that opportunity growing up to play in a comfortable environment, playing the sport that I love. Uh, you know, every year it was a challenge for me um, to to get through to play in order to just you know enjoy the game. And one of the reasons was just to give young girls an opportunity and a platform to play the sport that they love in a comfortable environment and there are a lot of parents that wouldn't allow their girls to play with the boys and that is you know be having such a setup like JVW you know you come go, you come down where it's just a club full of female football players playing in, in female leagues um, but also just being surrounded by by girls and they feel more, most comfortable um, and the reason being the national team captain I just thought that uh, for me that there's so many youngsters that look up to me um, as their role models and it is important for me to set the example and be the example to in order to give back to the game and share my knowledge and share my expertise with these young young and upcoming rising football stars that will soon be our you know national team players for Banyana Banyana. So um, I just want to be out there and just love to see um, each you know girl child doing what they love to do and in playing football. And you've got such a fantastic tagline of talk with your feet, play with your heart. It's really inspirational. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is something that I came up with. Um, it's more like showing what you can actually do with your feet um, uh, instead of just telling people who you are, what you are about. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. It's all about what you can do um, with your feet and um, show people who you are by just doing what you what you love to do. And um, talk with your heart, obviously. Talk with your feet, play with your heart. is just how passionate you really are um, about the sport and just giving your best every single day. And in the, the club, how what, what age do people start at? Because you spoke about entry level. You also spoke about building up to absorb women into the national team. 
Yes, uh, we start at um, age 12 because there are so many youngsters that um, are still currently playing with the boys. There are not many leagues that, that you know, six-year-old girls can play in. So they start off with the boys. And when they get older and they feel uncomfortable playing with the boys, they turn to JVW, which have a girls' team starting from age 12. Um, so we have under 12, we have under 15, we have under 16. We have um, under 19 and then an open team where, you know, anyone that is really good enough, even if she's 16 years old, she'll play in the open team um, and play in the National Women's League, which is obviously the first team for the JBW club. And with the club, again, a lot of clubs are are male-owned. You've started initiating this club. Did you invest into it as a business? Um, it started off with something small, something just giving back to the community and having girls, you know, drawing out the girls from the schools, um, the talented girls to come and play and grow in the sport and help them grow. But now, I mean, we started off with only 23 girls in 2012. And right now we're sitting on 97 girls partaking in the club. Um, so it is has been a massive growth to us um, seeing so many girls uh, playing the sport and it has now really become a business it's become a brand everyone knows JBW that it's Janine van Beek the national team captain football club so it's really become a big brand and not just not just a football club so it is now on the business side of things we are obviously trying to get endorsements and sponsorship on board in order to pay our first team players and run like a professional club but that will take some time. That is obviously the vision for us um, as, a, as a football club. But um, for now, I mean, everyone just plays for for the sake of loving the game and being passionate about it. But that is obviously something we'll work towards and to make it a business-owned club. Because that's part of the challenge, that often talent has to have a, a day job to to finance their sport. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I paid for the club out of my own pocket. Um, and still today, there are obviously some brands out there, equipment brands, ball brands that help us um, along along the way in order to sustain the football club. And, but in terms of playing kits, I mean, that is obviously what comes out from what we what we. Um, what comes in from the from from the players that play pay a small fee in order to play football, just like any other football club around, um, that we just put back into the club in order to buy them, you know, um, football gear to play in and and tracksuits for the winter. So everything really goes back into the club. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to Janine Van Veek, who is captain of the South African national women's football team, Banyana Banyana. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk.
In the previous segment of the show, Janine shared some of her career highlights, uh, both as a player for the national team, as well as a developer of women's football in South Africa through the creation of her own football club. You spoke about your responsibilities of being a role model, of giving back to the sport, of being Banyana Banyana's uh, captain. And having held this role, you are a leader within your team and and leading the country onto the, the field uh, both locally as as well as internationally and also you spoke about the fact that you were abroad playing in other countries but you're still part of the national team so soccer's a team sport but the reality is that many players live and and play for clubs that are not necessarily in the same geography so as captain how do you galvanize and bring everyone together to build team spirit, to still create enthusiasm as well as the support? Yeah, well, I think firstly, as a leader, you've got to be enthusiastic about what you do. Um, you've got to believe in, in in your teammates and the people that you are working with. And you've got to guide them through, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses. And I feel just like a leader or any coach, you've got to, you know, know each player's role and personal uh, on a personal level in order to get the most out of, of that person. And I think everyone has different personalities and if you can deal with it in a way uh, or a sense that, um, you know, makes them most comfortable, I think that is when you can get the best out of them. Um, and I think for me as a leader, as a captain of the national team, dealing with my teammates, I think that I what I've that is something that I have really... Um, concentrated on is building good relationships with each and every single individual Um, because if I give a instruction you know I want players to trust me with the instruction that I give Um, so if I give them my time um, you know and allow them to get to know me as a person and I allow myself to get to know them on a personal level and you know work just becomes so much easier and I think that is the way I have what what's been working for me as as a leader is just getting to know the people that you work with on a personal level and you know build that trust amongst the two of you. It's interesting. I was just reading a paper this morning on social capital and how being able to connect, establish trust, establish rapport, how that really has a, a tremendously positive impact in the work environment. Yeah, that is true. Um, and, you know, trust is one of the main things in order for anything to really, really work out is, is full trust. So that is a huge factor in my role as a leader. We've spoken about your, let's say, in- ingredients of, of getting to international level from starting out, identifying a team to play with, then coming into the national team. As someone who competes with some of the most successful athletes in your field and participating at the forefront of international competition, I'd imagine that it's given you great insights in terms of other factors that are required to stay at the top of your game. What would you say some of those have been? I think just being on a daily basis, being the best that you can be and not really look at other people and try and compete with other people. I think you've got to be the best you can be. 
um, and believe in your abilities. Um, and that's what I always preach to the youngsters is don't look at the next person's success and what they've done or um, just be who you are and set goals for yourself and tar- target for yourself in order to achieve them. Um, and there, you're right, I've, been, I've rubbed shoulders with one of the best players in the world Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapinoe's, um, and all those those top class athletes. Um, but again, they don't have. I don't see them as the ability that I have. Um, and obviously, successful people have different abilities and um, qualities. So, if you believe in your own quality and your own abilities, and um, you just work with what you have, and you set your targets, small targets for yourself, I think. Um, those are the things that really need to stand up for yourself um, instead of looking at others and what they have done and accomplished in their, in their careers or fields. There's a lot of self-confidence that, that comes into this mix. And I'd imagine that part of in, in the JVW football club with, with the girls, that's one of the attributes that we continuously hear, that girls need to build confidence. And by being in an environment where they can um, develop that trait, it also has ripple effects that are positive in other areas of their lives, so not just within the sporting space. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially with the youngsters that we work with um, at at, um, football, it it comes with, you know, building trust with your teammates. It comes with having confidence within yourself, living a healthy lifestyle, um, doing the right thing. And the main reason is just keeping them out of mischief and out of off the streets doing the wrong thing. Um, so I think believe through sports, you know, you are able to build a successful life for yourself um, and you are able to learn values about life. Um, and that is one thing that we really teach these girls and come from, from our knowledge and experiences as well, that you'll, you'll face a lot of hardships. You'll get, um, you know, try and people will try and draw you into, you know, trouble um, and you tend to just lose sight on, of, of your dreams. Um, so that's con- something that we continuously work with with these youngsters at the football club, not only focusing on the football side, but, you know, trying to man-manage every single player, every individual, um, and try and teach them about the values in life and what sport has to offer. And as you develop the youth and, and going out, we've, we've, we've spoken about the, the National League, we've spoken about creating more opportunities for girls, and we also spoke about the the progression um, from of the national team to Olympics and on to FIFA World Cup. What do you think needs to be done to increase visibility of of female soccer or of women's sport? Um, well, obviously, I can only speak in my field, but you know, a lot of people really need to, especially corporates, need to invest in the women's game, um, and it is growing so much. And I think um, one of the main topics a lot of people are talking about is equality, um, and that for me is true. But um, you know, years ago, years ago, it was always only men that used to play the sport, and women. You never really find women that that or that that played much or it wasn't really something that the public took interest in um but now i feel that that we are on an equal platform 
Uh, we might not get paid on an equal platform just yet, but in terms of recognition, you know, people know about women's football, people know about women's sports in, in, in the world, um, and they support it and they invest in it. Um, so I think it, it needs to be, needs to be more development structures. Um, if I speak in my field, um, in football, for girls, I think there needs to be more development structures laid out um, for these young girls to, to play in. You hear about the Barcelona Academy, the Manchester United Academy. There's so many um, hundreds and thousands of academies for boys in order to, for the sport to grow, and that it needs to be um, done the same way for, for girls. But that will obviously take... Um, a lot of time, a lot of years to establish, but you got to start somewhere. And I feel um, I have done my part so already um, by creating this development program for girls. And I think if there's more, especially in our country, you know, women's football in our country can can grow enormously as well. And when you talk about the the years that things take and and the interest so we've got the development angle which is really building up the, the the talent base but then there's also an incredible part of football is is the fan base and being able to have the spectators and coming to watch the games or seeing games televised i i think that sometimes it's it's almost like the the charisma and the the, the joy of watching the game that helps accelerate the development because if more people are watching, they're almost creating a pressure and demand to see more. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think same with the, the National League that just started kicking off for, for the Women's, women's League. I think um, it being televised on, on television, people get to see it more. I think a year or two ago, no one really knew about, you know, women's clubs in, in South Africa. Like I said before, they only knew about the national team. But they never really understood where these girls play on a daily basis in order to you know, be selected for the national team. So now that it's being broadcasted, a lot of people are taking more interest to know where the games are being played, when are the games being played. So there's more numbers coming down to the stadiums. And I think um, for, if you take example for the national team, 10 years ago, there weren't really many, you know, supporters. The fan base wasn't that that high uh, for um, Banyana Banyana per se. So now you look after us qualifying for two Olympic Games, us doing well in the African Cup of Nations and then making uh, our debut at the FIFA Women's World Cup. You know, you walk in the street and everyone recognizes you. Everyone wants to know where you play. Everyone wants to come and support you. And when the year of a national banana banana playing um, at a certain particular stadium, that stadium will fill up with numbers. Um, so it is growing. Um, it's just about being, you know, more out there and being more exposed to the public in order for them to really come out and, and support the, the woman. Well, you've certainly been a pathfinder and there's a fantastic legacy that, that you're developing behind you. Turning towards more of a personal perspective, one of the questions that I ask all my guests is about the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. Some people speak about hard work, a, a particular person in their life. Others talk about perseverance. In your opinion, what would you say have been some of the key drivers to your success? I think one of the key things for me um, that have pushed me through is my passion for the game. Um, 
you know, there are many people that would just give up with the challenges that I have faced in my career. Um, but it just kept me going because I love the sport so much and I wouldn't see my life without it. Um, and I had people, obviously, a support structure around me, my family that supported me um, throughout my journey in football um, and the coaches that pushed me to my limits. And if I didn't have that, if I didn't have the passion, I don't think I would be where I am today. I wouldn't want to see the success of others, you know, um, in the game because I am so passionate and I get such satisfaction seeing, you know, youngsters coming out and being called up for the national team, knowing that I have really contributed to that. And it all comes down to the passion of the game and the love for the game. And I think that is one of the key things that got me to where I am today. It must be really rewarding and, and proud moments to see young people develop after you've, you've touched them in a way. Yeah, definitely. What would you say have been some of the best lessons that you've learned in your career? Um, best lessons, I think, is, you know, as an athlete, you'll always be criticized. You'll always be judged on what you do. Um, you know, and success really never comes easy. And definitely... Success is not for the lazy and not for the weak. Um, you've got to really push through everything, all the barriers that, that come your way. Um, the more successful you are, the more you know people criticize you for what you do. Um, and those are the lessons that I've learned throughout my career. And the difficulties that you face is only preparing you for something bigger and better in order to deal with it at the moment when it arises. So those are things that really happened to me in my career, um, facing the challenges and overcoming them um, in a way that you, you get the support from, from the people around you. Um, and, I mean, there were days where I you know, wanted to just throw in the towel, but if I didn't have that support next to me, if I didn't have that passion that drove me you know, to just go one more time, um, again, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be as successful as I am today. You know, those drivers extend beyond talent. And who would you say have been some of the key role models or influences in your life? I think for me, um, when I was young, it was mostly, you know, male football players because I used to watch them on television all the time and I wanted to be as successful as they they were at the time. Um, there weren't really many female footballers that I looked up to because it wasn't really out there. Um, and then when Fran Nielsen Smith, she was a technical director at SAFA, she is the one that really pushed me um, and got me the the ladies team, found the ladies team that um, that I eventually you know, started playing with. And she was the one that believed in me. She was at my every every single game and watched my every single game and guided me in the right direction. She was the lady that helped me through everything that's all the difficulties. Um, and then there's obviously one of the coaches. I mean, if, if you're an athlete and you don't have a coach that you look up to, I mean, then you still need to carry on until you find that coach. And, you know, mine came in 2014 uh, when... Vera Powell came in to coach the Banana Banana team um, and she just changed my, my career completely. She believed in me so much. She was one of the reasons how I got a contract abroad um, by, you know, speaking to her contacts or the coach that called me for Houston Dash um, to keep an eye on me. And, and she just, you know, taught me so much and brought out the best 
in me. Um, and those are the kind of people that you need to have by your side, the people that really bring out the best in you, the people that will continue to push you to your limits uh, for the right reasons. So, um, yeah, that, those are the people that really made me um, believe in myself and got me to where I am. It sounds like a, a great support structure to have in your corner. And like you said, they're pushing the right buttons so that you excel in your discipline and game. Definitely. And lastly, as we close out the conversation today, could you share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to share with women and young ladies in the continent who are listening to us? Yeah, I would just say that you need to set targets for yourself, believe in your ability and whatever it is that you want to achieve in life or who you want to become, um, and never let anything stop you from reaching your dream. Um, I know it sounds cliche, but never, ever give up. Um, there will be a time and a moment that you will taste success, and it will be so sweet that you want you know, more out of out of your career, out of your life. Um, so you just continue going no matter how tough it gets, no matter how long it takes. You just uh, continue believing in yourself and one day you will reach success. Well, you are certainly living proof of not giving up and the accolades and the, the achievements that you've managed to accumulate to, to be where you are today. So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time and wish you well with the, the rehabilitation and taking on your next task of pushing through with the National Soccer League for Women in South Africa. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time and listening to me. And I hope that I can change more lives for women's footballers in our country. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Janine van Weeg, who is captain of the South African national women's football team, Banyana Banyana.